We are the Bride Radio as the voice of the true Bride of Christ. bride of Christ to stand up and take your place in the army and the kingdom we recognize our battle is not with flesh and blood but with the principalities and the powers of the air we are a ministry of prayer and we highlight what God is doing through other ministries and ministers across the globe we provide a platform for ministers and a place for the bride to come together and rally around each other, hold up each other's arms, and pray for one another. WATV Radio celebrates the various missions that God has called each one of us to in this army, so we desire to promote and enhance the bride as a whole. Go, bride! Our soon-coming king awaits. This is a WATB disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this show do not necessarily reflect the views of We Are the Bride Ministries, We Are the Bride Radio, or We Are the Bride Television. Thank you. Hello, Bride. This is Dr. June Knight with WATV TV Bride Time Live. I'm so excited to have you as a guest I'm today. Happy to be on. <laughs> How long has God tried to get this thing to work? <laughs> Through oh, our friend Sharon. <laughs> oh. It has been a while, and I'm so happy to feature you today. Thank Listen, you. tell us what state you're from. Virginia. Virginia and what city in Virginia? We're in Lancaster, Virginia, which is out in the country. Two, okay. two and a half hours from DC. Oh, I love the country. Yep. <laughs> okay, I would like for you to talk to us about what is the name of your ministry and we're going to talk about what did God do to take you from nothing and turn you into something that brought you to this point. So, what is the name of your ministry? The, the name of the ministry is Hosea initiative and that's Hosea like the book in the Bible so it's H-O-S-E-A okay. Hosea initiative yeah. alright now what is it in a nutshell in like a few sentences what is that well uh, we're dedicated to fulfilling the promise that I made to Dr. Bernard Nathanson who was okay. once America's abortion king and who became 180% wow. uh, revolution uh, to the pro-life position and he wanted every American to know the truth of how he deceived our country with the lie that abortion is women's health care. And so we want to educate to help turn the hearts and minds of man away from apathy and ignorance so that we can end abortion wow. in America once and for all. Yes, now I know that through the prayer networks, we definitely feel this. Actually, I was in a meeting today with the Family Research Council, mm -hmm. and you can literally just feel... The shift in the nation that this is really going to happen in our lifetime yes, in our day like very soon that Roe versus Wade is going to be overturned right. 
And the joy, I mean, on one side, I can feel like the joy that's going to hit the church. Like, we're just going to be overwhelmed with joy. Mm -hmm. But I can also see riots. I mean, seriously, I can see, like, a huge backlash. I mean, what do you think? Um, I, I think when that day were, happens. Right. Well, I do think, though, that Bernard Nathanson, he, he called himself the keeper of the abortion industry keys. And so wow. when I say, if he's the keeper of the keys, then as Christians, we need to be using those keys to help the millions of people who are in the mushy middle uh, to help, help pivot them over 100% to the pro-life side. Yes. So when I say that wow. mushy middle, we've got millions of people who say, oh, well, I'm pro-life, but... I can't, you know, who am I to tell somebody what they do with their body and all that? That's called the mushy middle, you know. Wow. And so, so we need to help get those people educated so that they understand they're standing on the eight points of propaganda of Dr. Bernard Nathanson. Wow. You know, so as Christians, we have everything we need to stand on and 2,000 years of truth to support the pro-life position. Yeah. Well, I think... Uh, with a lot of Christians. That's why a lot of them do not understand how Christians can vote uh, to support a death policy such as voting Democrat because when you're voting Democrat, you're basically voting death because of where they stand. What do you think? Well, I think it's important for uh, for voters to know that, that uh, about on average, 81 to 83 percent of the time, our elected officials will vote for uh, policies that support their political party platform. And so, oh, wow. so as citizens and as Christian citizens, it's imperative that we read through the political party platforms. No, I agree. It is about the platform. It, yes. Well, I mean. Anything less, you're just rolling the dice. But if the number one indicator of what kind of bills your elected officials will be voting for, all you need to know is the political party platform. So if 82, yes, this actually came seriously. from FRC. Yeah. It was, I, well, actually, no, I found it on the FRC site. I don't think yeah. they did the study. But anyway, it's like 81 to 83% of the time, on average, an elected official will vote for bills that favor his or her political party platform. Well, let me explain that to the audience that may not understand why that mm -hmm. is. I recently moved here a year ago. I've been mm -hmm. heavily involved on Capitol Hill and different things. I see now why things have happened the way it has because you may have an idealistic person mm -hmm. that comes up here that say they're Democrat and they say, I am pro-life, but I am Democrat. Well, you're one out of a million. Right. So when you come up here, in order for you to pass a bill, you have to cooperate with other people. Right. You have to get people to, and so if you're with a platform that is right. negative and against it, you're not gonna be able to get that passed. Right, and, and just to add one more piece to that, what yeah. happens, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, if they say they are, uh, well if they say they're, let's just say they say they're pro-choice, Okay. okay, okay, they're pro-choice. I'm using that word loosely, pro-abortion, yeah. pro-choice. But let's say they're beginning to um, maybe shift a little bit over to the pro-life side. The way this thing works is the NARAL and the Planned Parenthood lobbyists will come knock at that person's door, and they get, of course, invited in. That door will close. And about one wow. minute later, give it two minutes later, 
Planned Parenthood and NARAL are going to be back out that door because what they've done is they've threatened the elected what? official that if you do not, if you do not stand up for women's reproductive rights, we will primary you and we will get you defeated. So this guy, wow. this lady, has finally made their way all the way up to Washington D.C. and they and they're so excited. They're so excited. Well, here's the other factor. Maybe wow, back home, I did not know this. Maybe back home they were making whatever sixty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. They've just had a three-time pay raise. They're now making one hundred seventy-five, hundred eighty thousand dollars a year, what? or whatever, being an elected official. So wow, are they I need going room to? Maybe <laughs> should. Uh, but anyway, that's the way the game is played. And so, so if we. If we know that the number one indicator of how they're going to vote is the political party platform, know the platform. And if you think we're going to receive the blessings from God um, and, and, and completely turn this country into a pro-abortion, baby-killing nation, I agree. there's no way. I, I agree. Pray. I mean, that is yeah. an issue that has to be dealt with. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay, well, let's... I mean, I can just hear some of the people out there thinking, uh, this woman is in Washington, D.C. I mean, you have the ears of people at the top. There has to be a story that brought you mm -hmm. to be so passionate and to fight through the, the things that you had to go through to get here. So take us back in time. Mm -hmm. Was you raised in a big family, small family, or what? Uh, family of... Christian family. Uh, well, family of six, and I, you know, I would like to say it was a Christian family, yes, but but still very unchurched and and yeah, uh, uh, let's see, um, and then you know, fast forward. I mean, then uh, you know, my journey with the Lord strengthened and all this, and then, but I realized I was very ignorant about the whole abortion issue. I just knew I could never have an abortion. Yeah. I knew nothing about the industry. And then a friend of mine, a Christian friend of mine, asked me to come up to the March for Life. And I did, and it changed my life forever. Wow, yeah. just, I went to March for Life this year for the first time. What'd you think? What'd you think of it? Well, besides it being freezing. Yeah. <laughs> freezing, rainy, icy, right. but uh, it was amazing. And then to have uh, Vice President Pence come up there and mm -hmm. he said, this was so amazing. I'm so glad I was filming it. But he said, we have a president in office that refuses to sign any death bill. So if you're not for pro-life, we're not signing off on it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, right. You know, like, we have hit the mother load. You know, right. <laughs> like, thank you, Jesus. Uh-huh. Well, it's very electrifying for sure. Well, it is, and, and I encourage all of our listeners to our viewers to if you've never been to a march for life come to dc yeah. it's uh i believe it's the third friday if, if i'm mistaken yeah. if i'm not mistaken but anyway, it's on the internet uh, but to go and just of experience January, yeah, yeah four hundred thousand plus people gathering on the mall we mm -hmm. hear a number of speakers and then you 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 gather and you walk and you walk in the huge you know masses of people and up in front of the supreme court I've been there where, you know, it's been a gray day, and then at the end of the march, all of a sudden a rainbow going oh. across. Oh, just miraculous things. Yeah. So, um, but what, so I realized I didn't know anything about this. So I went to a pro-life organization. I met with them, 
And I told him, I said, I know nothing about this. What do I need to do? And he said, Terry, if you want to get involved, you have to be educated. And he pulled a book off the shelf and he said, read this book. And then that book changed my life forever. Wow. Uh, so, so I joked, I have a book, so I was joking, say, well, get that book after you get my book. But that book was called <laughs> Grand Illusion by George Grant. I highly recommend it. Every Grand Christian wow. needs to read Grand Illusion, The Legacy of Planned Parenthood. Wow. Uh, so, so that changed my life. Well, can you give us a short synopsis of what that book is saying? Yeah, that, that book um, gives the 100-year legacy of Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, who hated Christianity. Wow. She been three and, 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 and it's a very easy reading book full of scripture it's a big book full of scripture but it's still a very very easy reading book and it explains how Mar if you know three words you're going to understand Margaret Sanger she believed in and promoted promiscuity and now and then we give lectures on this through the ministry yeah. um, uh, how promiscuity became institutionalized and government funded okay Wow. Number, number two, how she advocated for eugenics and the people who... What's eugenics? Eugenics is the, um, the notion that they can purify the race uh, by uh, manipulating who, who and what, what groups of peoples can uh, duplicate, can propagate. And, um, so she Which was is what they were saying that the... Well, that's probably what you was about to say about the black people. Oh, yeah. yeah the so, uh, killing of Right, them. so they implemented what they called, Plant, Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthood, they called it the Negro Project back in 1939. Wow. And it was highly effective. And, and then the third word describing Margaret Sanger was she was all about controlling births. So between eugenics, controlling births, so you can flip that and say birth control, and then promoting uh, promiscuity, that's part of the reason why America's been flipped upside down because yeah. her organization has received 10 billion of your dollars. Wow. Yep. Yep. Well, I just read where Trump uh, did away with a lot of their funding with the Title X program. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But Planned Parenthood turned around and said, that's okay. We just want to apply for that. It's like, yeah. I mean, they're still getting money yeah. from the government. Um, they get private funding, they get government funding, and then and then they charge for certain services. So they still have plenty of money being yeah. thrown at them. Uh, Planned Parenthood, you know, when you really understand the history of it, yeah. it has what is, to, tell us what is the history. Well, what, it, it has to get cut off at the root. Well, I mean, yeah, you, I agree. When you begin understanding that this this woman hated capitalism, she um, she she advocated for um, assa presidential assassinations. She hated the marriage bed. She hated marriage, the notion of marriage. Mm -hmm. She just thought that was an outdated idea. And she believed and that... And this is back in 1930? Oh, yeah. This is like way back then. Yeah, yeah no, wow. she was extremely radical. Yeah. Now, back then, she was for... She was still for abortion, but the... Um, you know, the writers of history would like for you to think that she was not for abortion. She just knew that if she came out of the gate for abortion, that would have been way too radical. So she knew she had to slowly morph America first onto contraception. Yeah. And then, because I think this is really important, that, that what Margaret, when Margaret Sanger came onto the scene, 
basically all Catholics, all Protestants for 400 years were 100% against, they were lock, stock, and barrel against contraception. Yeah, they was. They knew it violated the Word of God. Yeah, yeah. And, and Margaret Sanger, that's, that was her thing. She went after that knowing full well that if she could get enough people contracepting, it would be an easy push down the abortion slide. Wow. So, that, so we give long lectures on all this so, through Hosea. Well, so that is what you do with Hosea is you educate. We educate. Yep. About abortion and pro-life issues. Pro-life. Well, I mean, like, do you have clinics everywhere? We, well, we, do, we have, um, it's called uh, Liberated by Truth workshops, conferences, and parish missions. And some of these are, um, you know, day and a half or two and a half day. Yeah. And we, what I say is we drill down because we're basically in a non-reading public. Yeah. Everyone's on Facebook <laughs> listening videos. Yeah. But they're not reading these two-inch you know, thick books um, yeah. to, to learn the history of this stuff. So what we do is we extract the most important pieces so that um, uh, people can get, get a lot of information in a short span of time, and then, we, and then we push it as far as we can, and then equip people so that they can go back into their own communities and we give them the different tools so they can begin educating mm -hmm. people. And that's what we're rolling out, the Liberated with Truth conferences. We believe the day is coming. As more and more people find out about what we're doing, we will be, in, instead of, you know, like whatever, 300 or 500 at a time, we'll be having 5,000 at a time. When they find out Jose Initiative is coming into a city near them, uh, the word will get out, the pastors, the pastors are key. But there, there are far too many pastors, June, mm -hmm. who they don't know the history. This was not part of their seminary training. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of pastors have been duped themselves into Margaret Sanger's birth control pill, not even knowing it's a group one carcinogen. What does that mean? A group one car. What most Christians don't even know is that the birth control pill, hormonal contraception, According to the United Nations World Health Organization, it is a cancer-causing carcinogen. It's a cancer agent. It causes wow. cancer. And according to the United Nations, it is categorized as a group one carcinogen, and it's in the same family as asbestos. Wow. So as the women listening, the men listening, you know, would you purposely, you know, breathe asbestos up your nose every right. day? Once a day, big old snort of asbestos. Yeah. Of course you wouldn't. Right. But there are millions of women popping a little white pill designed by Margaret Sanger. Um, so anyway, that's it, it. It's quite a history of of, and it's been total deception. Yes, it is very much deception. You know, you look at it like when I watched the unplanned movie mm -hmm. here in Washington when they did the preview uh, for some of the prayer leaders here. I was, I'm a woman, I've had three children, and I haven't lost any, and I haven't had an abortion, but I know a lot of people that have, mm -hmm. okay, so I, my heart's there. Well, I was watching the movie, and when it showed the part of where she actually saw what they did. I was sitting beside you. Were you in the <gasps> prayer room? Yes. At, at Dick's house? <laughs> That was you. That was me. Oh my gosh. That is so ah, funny. Because I remember June gasping. Yes, I was. Gasping. I was crying. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because it's life, and they they just suck just the baby out. It just is a tube. And that I just cried so hard, I almost fell on the floor just because I'm an intercessor. I almost just fell on the floor and just wept before God. Like, how did we as a country ever... That's what we answer. That's what we teach. And it's quite interesting. It's funny that you, you say that question. How did we get this Unplanned, right. Unplanned is the movie helping to get our nation to the point where we're asking that question. And as God would have it, that's where Jose Initiative is showing up on the scene and we actually answer that question. What is how it? did Please. we get here? Well, I mean, Tell us how well, <laughs> I mean it's more than just a, a ten minute answer. I mean yeah. we literally I mean all these seminars are, you know, at least an hour long. But one of them is called the Deadliest American Hoax, where we teach about Dr. Nathanson's the eight point strategy that he used to deceive America with a lie that abortion's healthcare. So that's called the deadliest American hoax. What, and what I'm sharing here, in yes. my opinion, it's like every Christian at least ought to know this information. Yes, so tell us, tell us in. Um, and then the, then the other, well, I'll give you the eight points before okay, we yes. wrap. So one is the deadliest American hoax. So that's about Dr. Bernard Nathanson, the father of the industry Now, didn't abortion. they make a movie about him? I want to say um, they did. Well, well, I'm getting ready to make a movie about them. Because um, I want to watch yeah. it. Somebody tell me. We have the movie rights, um, or I have the movie rights with the ex-wife of Dr. Nathanson. And we're actually uh, hoping and praying. Uh, it's being written right now. Yeah. The movie will be released um, in August of 2020. Lord, let it happen. Yes. There's yes. so much going to happen with uh, this in 2020. That's right. That's right. And God's uh, got a plan. We have hired. Let it be, Lord. Well, we've hired Andrew Hyatt. Andrew Hyatt, who wrote and directed Paul the Apostle of Christ movie. Oh, okay. yes, I saw yeah. that. Yes. So, um, so we're real excited, and 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 he is fervently writing on that film right now. Um, so that's so deadliest American hoax, and it's just shocking. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll go over the eight points in just a second. Um, the other one is... Uh, no, Charlotte, we're, we're doing a free education. <laughs> right, yeah, the Catholic strategy. If you've ever wondered, why do so many Catholic politicians, right here in D.C., and then in their home states, yeah. why do so many Catholic politicians and Catholics themselves vote for pro-abortion candidates? Right. When, so. for 2,000 years, the Catholic Church has never changed its doctrine. Right. The, what they call the magisterium, um, the life issue. They call it after what it is, an intrinsic evil. There's I always thought it. all Catholics were for pro-life. They're not? No, like 50% of Catholics what? are. So that happened because wow. of NARAL. So the organization that Dr. Bernard Nathanson founded, okay. it's called NARAL Pro-Choice America, what they knew that they had to persuade enough Catholics to vote for pro-abortion candidates. So they devised a very wicked, effective scheme, a political scheme, and they literally called it, back in 1969, the Catholic strategy to, to, to trick, to deceive enough Catholics. So we give one, I give one-hour seminars just on that. The other one is called Pills and Potions. Pills wow. and potions. And so this is where we look back on how did Margaret Sanger set out with a plan 
to first what she had to do was divide Protestants and Catholics on the contraception issue. And then she had, once she sacked enough Protestants, then she plotted how she would get the Catholics. I was going to say, because didn't the Catholics make it longer than the Protestants? We sold out first, right? And the Catholics held on to the... Right. That's where right. they were against yeah. it. She targeted yeah. uh, liberal-minded Protestant ministers. Yeah. and that, But but pro, in the very beginning, Protestant ministers were very upset that she was representing herself as as representing Protestants. They were like, no, you don't. Because you, you know, she was pushing all these radical bills. Yeah. Bills such as uh, we would have to have a birthing license. That you had to have permission from the government to have one child. Wow, kind of like China. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, and to think that this person, Margaret Sanger, was so diligent, so tenacious, that she had, I mean, she died in 1966, but her worldview has been institutionalized, government funded. Yes. Her worldview. So you can actually make a really strong argument that we've been funding Margaret Sanger's religion so if we're not wow. supposed to be taking our tax money and funding religions why have we funded her organization 10 billion dollars to spread her worldview of promiscuity eugenics and birth control all across this nation and the world well i'm wondering if it has tell me if i'm off a little bit uh-huh. i'm wondering if it has to do with the u.n plan the UN plan to depopulate. Well, because they killed yes. like what sixty billion or million, right? Sixty million. But kids but the here. foundation though was way before the United Nations. But now it certainly pairs up and feeds yeah. the United Nations world population depopulation. Right there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Depopulation. So, and I think it's important for the Christian market to understand that God. God tells us to be fruitful, to multiply. Multiply, yes. And it's a good time to remind people that the way God's designed the female body we're only fertile about four days per month so if a married couple who wants to regulate family size if they exercise self control they can pretty much control the size of their family and if they're doing their best to control the size of their family God blesses them with a baby anyway the baby's a blessing. Mm-hmm. It's not a curse. The baby's a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Yep. So you did you tell us all seven? Oh, oh, and then the fourth <laughs> one. No, oh, yeah. sorry. Uh, then the fourth one is uh, we call it Roe v. Wade revisited, where we look at the six erroneous assumptions the Roe v. Wade court made during um, you know during that 1972-73 decision. Yeah. So it's called Roe v. Wade Revisited, and as God would have it, the two attorneys who wrote the appendix in my book, uh, one of them is Alan Parker. He directly represented Norma McCorvey. She's the Roe, Roe v. Wade. Yes. And in, in a, uh, what was it, 20 years, 30 years, 30 years, like you said, 30 years, 30 years after Roe v. Wade, um, Alan Parker, Esquire, petitioned the court on behalf of Norma McCorvey, she was the Roe, Roe v. Wade, to overturn the Roe v. Wade decision. So he and Sam Casey, another attorney, they've written the appendix in the back of the book on the six erroneous assumptions of Roe v. Wade. 
Now tell us about your book, because now you guys curious. Ah, I'll, I'll hold it up. Okay. <laughs> I don't just like. I guess it goes backwards when you hold that up, maybe on the yeah, screen. Yeah, yeah. But it's called "What If We've Been Wrong," and you can actually get the book. Oh wow! Well, that comes from Dr. Bernard Nathanson's never seen before resignation letter from NARAL. Never seen before. Wow. Just this is worth a press release uh, or a press conference. So um, I will be NARAL's worst enemy, okay, by the end of, I would say, eh, by the end of 2020. I'll be NARAL's worst enemy because yeah. uh, their founder uh, described the organization as a Stalinist organization. Are they still together? Oh, yeah. What? Oh, yeah. NARAL Pro-Choice America. Wow. Oh, yeah. Funded by with millions of dollars, millions. So the question comes from Dr. Nathanson's resignation letter where he actually says, he's writing it to the director. So this Dr. Nathanson has already seen the baby on real-time ultrasound for the very first time. So, you know, long before Abby Johnson, yeah. there was the father of the abortion industry, Dr. Nathanson. And, and after he celebrated Roe v. Wade, he, he, he was the go-to doctor if they, in 1973 if they wanted a doctor to interview and to question about legalized or decriminalized abortion. He was the go-to man. Mm. So he celebrated Roe v. Wade decision. And then, about five or six months after Roe v. Wade, the father of America's industry of abortion became or saw the baby for the very first time on real-time ultrasound. Yeah. And he began his pro-life journey. And so on the second anniversary of Roe v. Wade, so it's January 22nd, 1975, yeah. he submits his resignation letter to NARAL. And NARAL, wow. the important thing to know about NARAL is, and it still is today, it's, it's it, well, back then it was the leading pro-abortion political action organization. I would say today Planned Parenthood is probably the leading yeah. political action. But... Interesting, uh, the um, 20, I guess it would be the 2016 Democrat Party convention, they, you know, each night they have a big pro-abortion keynote speaker. So one night it was Cecile Richards uh, with, of Planned Parenthood. Yeah. Uh, another night it was Ilse Hogue, who's the president of NARAL Pro-Choice America. There was another woman who's in charge of Emily's List, the big pro-abortion. So, so no, they are alive and well. So in Dr. Nathanson's resignation letter, which I have a piece of this in my book, he says that, this is where the title of the book came from, he said, the judgments of the Supreme Court were never meant to be infallible or eternal. And what if we've been wrong? If the court should soon reverse itself on the abortion issue in the light of changing times and or new scientific evidence, what an incalculable injustice will have been perpetrated what an immeasurable, irretrievable loss yes. will have been suffered. And then he goes on to say that the annual dues to NARAL are $10 a year in the hubris of certainty. And so I thought when I read that resignation letter, I thought that's the name of the book because he says, and what if we've been wrong? Uh -huh. so, Which yeah. now I see why he lit up when I asked that, like, when I was watching that movie, I was thinking, what have we done? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, like, I right. felt the weight of the nation before God. Like, right. oh, yeah. The severe atrocity 
that we've really done. Mm -hmm. And then from the reports of different people that went to see that movie in the theaters, so many different reactions, people bawling, falling yeah. on the floor, running out, screaming. Yeah. I mean, well, and they, they said they reached the goals of the movie. I think it was like four different you know main goals, and I can't remember what they all are, but they, yeah. they reached the goals. And um, and the, the uh, we're hoping to be able to hire the same distribution company for Unplanned uh, for our movie on Dr. Bernard Nathanson. It and, needs to be told. Well, and the, the thing is, it, the, he's writing it so that... Um, he's writing it? Well, Andrew Hyatt is writing it. Who is Andrew? Andrew is the man who wrote and directed Paul the Apostle Oh, that's Christ. right. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So, but he, he's writing it, though, in such a way, it's just the true story. Let the chips fall where they may. Right, right. Uh, and, you know, Nathanson spent... You know, half basically, you know, half of his, or maybe it was more, uh, well, at least a good half of his working career as America's abortion king, you know? Mm -hmm. And then when he had the, the epiphany, you know, with the help of real time ultrasound, um, you know, one of his famous quotes says, I believe the abortion ethic is fatally and forever flawed by the immorality of the means of its victory. Um, and then he calls it a political victory achieved by an unscrupulous and unprincipled minority. Yeah. And he was one of those unscrupulous, unprincipled minorities. Well, I'm going to try to change the subject a little bit. Mm -hmm. How long have you been doing this fight? Ten years. Well, more than that, but ten years since I shook Dr. Nathanson's hand. December will make two, ten years. Okay. Yeah. During the past ten years, what has made you the most proudest about your struggle so far? Uh, oh, gosh, that, that's an easy answer. Okay, well, How the Lord keeps showing up. And, move, you know, there have been so many times where I have felt like just, God, this is impossible. I'm Not just, just going to give up. You know, because it was such an audacious promise. You know, I said, Dr. Nathanson, I'll teach America. You know, it's a crazy promise to think that you're going to teach America, really. So every time I've tried to give up, God does something. I mean, and sometimes in the most, I'm actually going to write a second book about that. That'll probably come out after the movie. Yeah. Um, but God keeps showing up. And, and and revealing himself, just like he says in Romans 8, 21. Yeah. Revealing himself in so many invisible intangible ways that I that, and he knows how to motivate me yeah some people need like other things to happen but for me <laughs> yeah. it's like just give me one good rock solid experience and yeah. whew, I'm good for six more months <laughs> oh, so that's that's yeah I could give examples but um that's that's how it was so well when I think about what you're doing mm -hmm. your ministry and your calling mm -hmm. I think about a champion because you're out here in this battle because we all know that our battle is not with flesh and blood. Right. It's yeah. with the principalities and the powers. Yeah. So this spirit of death mm -hmm. that has like broadened right over our nation, mm -hmm. trying to wipe out the spirit of Moloch, right. you know, basically yeah. is what it is. Yeah. Baal, where they're sacrificing right. our children to Baal. You are in the front lines, mm -hmm. and you're you're battling this. I mean, how do you overcome fatigue and you know weariness? I'm I'm trying to pull on your 
mentorship yeah. to help other ministers oh, that may yeah. feel like in their fight they've been trying and they're just not seeing progress like the numbers like in my okay i'll use me for an example uh -huh. i've been doing this six years and if you look in the natural the numbers are so low mm -hmm. you know but this is what your calling is this is what you're right. calling, you know what i mean so how do you keep going um, and what would you say to other ministers well i guess i mean for me what keeps me going is um i feel like the Lord's given me an acute awareness of how key Dr. Bernard Nathanson's legacy is. And why? Because his legacy leads people and our nation right to the foot of the cross. So he, mm. his legacy not only answers how or why, how and why have we gotten into such a mess. Right, right. But once we answer that through Jose Initiative and teaching history, history matters. If you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. I agree. You know, it's very I agree. important. Yes. Um, you know, you, I mean, God teaches us that in the Old Testament. Yeah. You know? Yes. And so um, what keeps me going is having an acute awareness of how important Dr. Nathanson's legacy is for such a time as this. When, when the millions of people... And this is not meant with any condemnation whatsoever. Yeah. When the millions of people who finally reckon with the fact they have killed their children. I know. This is, this I mean, is, I just is, can't imagine. Some well, it, of the it, it's so important. It's like, what do you do with that grief? Yeah. Well, that was Dr. Nathanson. He was an atheist of atheists. You wow. know, he had not a seedling of faith. That's, um, that's one of the quotes that I have in the book. Uh, you know, I had, not, I had not a seedling of faith. And... And yes, he was Jewish, but he was an atheist Jewish man. Yeah, yeah. So um, to to understand how for, he spent the 1980s contemplating suicide, so he had already wow. become pro life, and then in 1984 he decides to make the film uh, with another person, the Silent Scream, because they decided we need to find out what's going on with the baby during an abortion. Oh, no. So no. They hooked, oh, that'd be terrible. Yeah, they, in 1984, they hooked the woman up to the ultrasound, and she was going to abort anyway. And um, so the abortionist is performing the abortion, and what they discover, and this is on, I think the baby, I think the baby was 10 weeks old. They, young? Ten, yeah, 10 weeks old. Wow. And they can see the baby, they are monitoring the heart rate of a 10-week-old baby, and the baby can sense danger. The heart rate goes like through the roof. And the, when the amniotic sac is punctured, they don't know any of this until they watch the raw footage of the film. And what I'm about to tell you causes the abortionist to never do another abortion, causes the nurse to quit the practice of abortion, and uh, and it causes Dr. Nathanson to contemplate suicide for the rest of the 1980s until he works with a spiritual director. So what they discover is after the oh amniotic sac is, this is important, Christians need to know this. When the amniotic sac is uh, burst open and the suction tube is bearing down on the baby, what they discover is a child opening up his or her mouth in a silent scream, and that's the silent scream of a child threatened imminently with extinction, and we are not hearing 
the silent screams. Wow. But when I get through with his legacy oh. at the end of 2020, because the nation's going to know, this whole nation will have heard the millions, the 60 million silent screams, because that silent scream that he witnessed caused him to contemplate suicide all the way through the 1980s, and then his path crossed with a pastor, and for five or six years that he became his spiritual director, and he realized one day that he was no longer contemplating suicide, that his heart and his mind was on Jesus Christ. And so he was baptized on December 8, 1996, and, and that's why his legacy is so important, because when we, we can't leave people hanging. The vilest but, sinners. Yeah, right, and it's like, it's God like can save will, anyone. Yes, it's so beautiful. Well, it's I'm beautiful. over here crying because I have a grandchild born today. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how many other grandparents out there? Right. You know, Whose just grandchildren the, were not born. Yeah, the atrocity of what, and then right. I mean, but to consider what they did to get rid of it. Right. You right. know what I mean? That's what I was thinking when we watched that movie. There, I was thinking, okay, I haven't done it, and I understand that it was taking place in America, but I never really thought about what they're really doing. Right. So right. when I saw it, I was like, the horror. Right. You know? Right. And that's where, um, you know, Father Frank Pavone with Priest for Life, he's famous for saying something the equivalent of, you know, abortion will continue until Americans see abortion. So as long as abortion just remains a word the and a scream. Yeah, and like a yeah. political thing, no, go look at abortion. Look yeah. at what we're doing to God's children. Literally pulling. But legs I remember off. back in the day. I mean, listen, Bride. I, <laughs> back in the day in the seventies and maybe even in the eighties. You know, back then we used to fight for morality. Mm -hmm. We used to go to the porno shops and stand out there and pig it. And, mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we used to really, whenever the school system would try to do something, we'd go do something about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean. Right more activists, but mm -hmm. I think over time our country has gotten to the point of just apathy, where they just let exactly. everybody run amok. Right. right. Well, I think how are we going to come out of this territory? <laughs> you know, we, like, well, I think God's going to make a mighty move, and I, I can't sit here and say what it is, I just know what he's doing in my own life. Yeah. Um, you know, when I, after I made the promise to Dr. Nathanson, way before Hosea Initiative, um, the next step for me in this journey was to, and God confirmed that I was supposed to step out and try to help get a very pro-abortion senator defeated. That was in Fredericksburg, Virginia, which interestingly is the setting for the book. Very few people thought he could be defeated, but I thought, yes, he can. Wow. Yeah, yeah, he had been in there for 28 years. He was up for re-election. I thought, well, this is insanity because the Christian market, they kept voting for this man. Mm -hmm. I thought, wait a minute, it makes no sense because they didn't understand what he was doing once he went down to the Virginia State Legislature. And I thought, you know what, if the people just have that information so they could see that he had at least three times voted to allow. Now, don't consider this, okay? Mm -hmm. God gives us our children, right? As parents, yeah. we are to guide our children, counsel our children, pray with our children, right? They are our children. Yeah. They're not the governments and they're not some politicians. Right. 
So he had voted at least three times to allow minor girls to have abortions without parental consent or knowledge. Mm. That's a surgery. So this guy had voted repeatedly. And that's in addition to when we typed up his most egregious votes against God, against the Constitution, and selling out to the abortion industry was 12 font, double space, four pages long. So I thought if the people just knew this. Yeah. And so we took it far and wide. And this again, this was before Jose Initiative. Yeah. And that's when I realized it was the education that got this man defeated. Um, and that's after if people only knew. Right. And that's why I call wow, it now. <laughs> Hosea Knowledge is power. Knowledge is I power. I get it. I get it. So God, you know, nowhere in the word does God say vote Democrat or vote Republican, right? right? But God says, um, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Yes. And then the Lord says, love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Well, if you don't know what the political party platforms are, you're not loving God with all your heart and right. all your mind. Mm -hmm. You're, a, I'm sorry, you're a stupid voter. You're an yeah. uninformed voter. You are choosing yeah. willfully to be uninformed. And the tragic part of this is... If we don't awaken to the impact of political party platforms, we through international treaties, we will lose everything that we hold dear, i.e. the family. Mm -hmm. So because when the radical Marxist left, you know, the communist socialist Marxist left, if we end up with a president who is a, a socialist, a one world yeah. government, yeah. and a U.S. Senate, Forget the House, okay? Because that's yeah. not how treaties are passed. Yeah. But if we end up with a, a, a liberal-leaning, progressive, communist, socialist, call it whatever you want, one world government, U.S. Senate, and a, and a liberal mm -hmm. uh, president, all that has to happen for, uh, it, to lose everything we hold dear is have an international treaty ratified with the president's signature. Oh, well, how many people have to be there? Two-thirds of the Senate. Oh, all the Senate? No, just two-thirds of the senators who happen to be there that <laughs> yeah. day when they're voting. And so a classic case is the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child Treaty. That was real popular back in um, Bill Clinton's era, and he was all for it. He sent Madeleine Albright over to the UN. She was all for it. But there were too many conservatives in the U.S. Senate to ever get that thing ratified. But Bill and Hillary were all for this United Nations Treaty. Wow. Now, now, now let's dig just a little bit deeper. So I'm who, liking this rabbit hole. Well, well, <laughs> well, it's so key. It's so key for what you guys are doing. And you pastors, all the pastors need to understand. You can look this up. Article 6 of the U.S. Constitution. Two-thirds of the U.S. Senate to, to ratify and the president's signature. So, let's just take the um, United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child Treaty. If that was ever ratified in the United States, that means that an unelected group of bureaucrats over in Geneva, Switzerland, are on this board and they get to decide what's in the best interest of your children and your grandchildren, wow. not the parents. So they decide that it's okay for teenagers to look at pornography. Mm -hmm. Parents, get out of the way. This has happened in countries all across the world because of the United Nations Treaty. So 
Well, in the United Nations, since I just got back there with the president. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You I went, went there for a week, yeah. Gosh. I was doing a lot of studying before I went there to understand like how they do their platform because previous to that, this earlier this summer I was studying the HR five bill, which yeah. is the LGBT bill, civil yeah. rights. Well, I was thinking, okay, we've got these new congressmen in that just look so goofy. Like you wouldn't think, Pete, that they would ever have any media. Right. Oh. That, that like they would, yeah, that ah. they would look at them and right. say, you're goofy. Right. Like, we're not going to give you airtime. Right. But they've been given all the airtime. Right. And so now this bill has already passed the House. Well, then, months later, I'm studying the UN. And I was like, yeah, those people passed a bill that is from the UN. That if we had a president that went along with this. Right. This crazy thing that we think would never pass right. is actually a UN socialist agenda. Right. Yeah. We think it's crazy because we're for family and conservative values, but they are actually for the UN uh, progressive. Well, yeah, the destruction. Yeah, um, socialist. Yeah, I mean, the fundamental plank is they have to destroy the family. Yeah. To have a totalitarian state you know, a communist-run state, mm -hmm. country, you have to destroy the family. So abortion is just one of the many plaques. Exactly. Plaques destroying parental exactly. rights, destroying yes. religious liberty, destroying yes. freedom of conscience. Yes. That everything, everything. So everything that you hold dear, so uh, maybe all your viewers are activists at heart, but, um, but we have to be equipped with this knowledge so that we can then go out and begin to sit down with our friends and our family if they're willing yeah. to at least talk about this. And my yes. experience has been this. Um, well, I mean, way before Jose Initiative, like with the defeat of that senator, Yeah. I remember we were showing, you know, the senator's attack on parental rights, and it was hilarious. It was a July 4th event, and, uh, and we had everything all typed up, Thousands of people were there, and our booth was in the children's ride area. Perfect place to have a booth. And so we would just say, you know, excuse me, would you like to know your senator's voting record on parental rights? Everybody would say yes. Nobody <laughs> said no. And, you know, the parents That's a great way to put well, it. They're, they're sitting in a long hotline. They've got 50 people in front of them before their kids get to get into the jumpy booth, you know? It's like they have nothing to do. Their cell phone's already yeah. gone dead. And they're sweating, so you give them this piece of paper, but you make a point to point out, oh, he voted to allow minor girls to receive the abortion pill or whatever, all this without parental consent. He voted to allow, and God we trust, to be removed from the school walls. Oh, he invited, uh, he, he voted for, um, uh, anyway, the list can go on yeah. and on. So, um, I'm actually forgetting where I was What were most of their reactions Oh, to? Oh, that's what it was. I remember meeting a pro-abortion-minded woman, and I said, I'm not here today to try to persuade you to be pro-life. Yeah. Okay, I so said, that's not my job today. Yeah. I said, my job today is to ask you, do you want a politician stealing your parental rights? And she said, no. She said, run, run, go over that information one more time. Because she at first only heard what she wanted yes. to hear. Uh -huh. So sometimes you have to repeat. So I let her... I. She was able to drop her guard yeah. when I was letting her know, I'm not trying to convince you to be pro-life, yeah. but I said, how important are your parental rights? What's more important to you, 
to have a pro-abortion senator in position yeah. or to have your parental rights protected. And she said, my parental rights. She's like, I'm not for losing my parental rights. So then, then that opened up the door to be able to talk about <laughs> everything. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, 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 was, it's not, it wasn't even meant like in a slick yeah. way. Yeah. It was just meant with if you people don't wake exactly. up everything that you love, your freedom, your children, um, the right that if you're a pastor, you know, what, what, the day is coming. And I, I was speaking about this on a radio show earlier today. The day's coming when pedophilia will be, well, they're already trying to do it now, will be normalized. And that's I just, just saw this today. Well, I've been warning about it for 10 years. Wow. 10 years I've been saying this. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying I'm the only one, but I mean, I'm going to add the P to the LGBTQ. LGBT, the, the, the whole alphabet, yeah. 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 Uh, where they normalize everything, yes. every degenerate behavior, um, yes. evil, wicked behavior will be attempted to be normalized. Right. And um, so, can you imagine being a pastor and you need to hire a youth minister and that youth minister already admits that you know, he suffers from this inclination of pedophilia. You won't even have the right to not hire him. You'll be sued. That's HR 5. I was See, HR 5. So you need to be writing to your congressman, yes. writing to your be senator. Proactive. Right. Yes. Be proactive. Christian's apathy blows my mind. I know. It is so much more than just prayer. And when I say just prayer, I'm not demeaning prayer. It's prayer plus action. Yeah, faith without works is what I call That's it, it. faith without works. All right, well, talk to us a minute and tell (laughs) us, uh, by you writing this book, what Mm -hmm. is it that, because I know I'm an author as well, Mm -hmm. what is your point of it? Like, what is the hopes that you have of writing this book? Yeah. What are you hoping to happen? Right. The main hope is to, uh, it's written in a very easy to understand way. Okay. Uh, Interestingly, Dr. Nathanson's widow uh, was uh, an editor, or is an editor, and um, she even told me, you know, take out, take out some adjectives. They just keep the, just make it just a, a breeze to read. Yeah. So it's high content, but an easy, easy read. And so the goal is to teach America what Dr. Nathanson wanted people to know, the eight-point propaganda strategy and why his story is so relevant. And we can, we, I make it relevant through the telling of my story, yeah. uh, being a pro-life activist, having made him the promise and all this, but things like this. How, you know, how could it be that when my daughter was 14, my youngest one was 14, you know, I took her to go get just a regular sports physical, just a sports physical. And my Christian pediatrician looked at me and she said, Terry, you're not gonna like what I have to ask your daughter. I said, what's that? And uh, it's so weird because I'd read about it, I was well versed in it, but I'd never applied it to my life. And so she looks at my daughter and she said, can your mother stay in the room with us? Wow. Where Christians does that come from? Yeah, exactly. Where does that come from? That's called the abortion industry. Yeah. The people who want to steal your parental rights. So they've got this thing so jacked up now that in the state of Virginia, but it's like across the country in almost every state, uh, two different things. um, I forget what they call that, but uh, basically, once in Virginia at least, once the child turns 14, they have the right to 
withhold information having anything to do with their sexuality. This is Margaret Sanger's worldview wow, put into so action sad. because the Christian market was asleep at the wheels while Go. Margaret Sanger was doing her thing yeah. in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and she died in 1966. It's now 2019, and you, you parents, including me, we've lost our parental rights. Yeah. So, so the pediatrician looks at me, and I'm going to look at the camera here, okay? Yeah, go ahead. The pediatrician looked at me, and she said this. She said, Terry, of course, my daughter had never had sex, okay? But she said, Terry, your daughter, technically, could have syphilis, be dying of gonorrhea, pregnant at the same time with a drug addiction, and because she's 14 years old, um, I do not have permission to give you that information. So how's that, America? Wow, terrible. Okay? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, when will Americans wake up? When will American Christians say, you know, I haven't voted in mm -hmm. years. I think I better start voting. When will you pick up the phone? Actually, more important than picking up the phone is writing a personal letter to your elected officials on the local level and also up here in DC on the local state and on the federal level you must get engaged because God gives us government yeah thank God for you being up here yeah. um, hey by the way you all need to support June she's one of the few Christian journalists no seriously in Washington DC her voice is needed her reporting is needed so send this woman your donations, because if the Christian journalists leave, what are we left with, you know? Mm -hmm. Just a pack of lies. So, I mean, but Christians have to get involved. Yeah. They've got to get involved. And, I'm, you know, I'm appealing to the Christians, but let's face it, the average atheist loves their child, too. They may not love the Lord. They may not right. know the Lord. But for God's sake, they love their children. And so the average atheist doesn't want to lose parental rights either. Yeah. So this isn't necessarily even a Christian issue. Right, right. It's it's just, you know, back up, you big state, uh, you know, the, yeah. the, just get down, boy, down. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and, I, and truth now, where liberates. Now, where can they get your book? Yeah, uh, the easiest way to get this is don't go to Amazon. I plead with you. Don't, you know, they give half, half. They take half the profits away from the author. Yeah, yeah. You can get it about the same they price through my publisher. So here's yeah. where you go to get it. And we are literally selling cases of these all across the country. Um, go to abortionking.com. Abortionking.com. Wow, abortion king. It's just an easy title because that's what he yeah. called. That's what they called him, Abortion King. Oh, that so takes exciting. you to my Christian small book publisher, a Virginia-based company, yeah. and, uh, and he will have books to you within a couple days. The other thing we have um, through Jose Initiative are these fact-check booklets. We knew not everybody would read a big book, but yeah. we just, so we literally measured a pair of Levi's pockets, so so people could get this, <laughs> and then they could that tuck it in so their pocket. Cute. Well, I was asked, actually, 600 um, uh, youth came to the March for Life a couple yeah. of years ago, yeah. and they wanted me to teach the youth the eight-point strategy, and um, I taught, and, and we thought, wait a minute, if I put it on a piece of paper, they'll throw the paper yeah, away, right? yeah. and we wanted to make something that would be, that they would hold on to, put it in yeah. their purse or their backpack or their you know, back pocket, and sure enough, 600 youth learned the eight-point strategy, wow. so I have, we have trained people all across the country to sit down, like if you were my friend mm -hmm. or maybe a family member and you're yeah. willing to learn 
the eight point strategy. I would, I, you know, you're already, you've already read it a few times. I've already read it a few times. And so I would literally walk you through. The first thing they would do is they framed the debate back in 1969. They framed the debate around choice. Okay, and then I'd pick up a few facts to quote. Turn the page. The next thing they would do is they crafted the slogans. So those slogans like, my body, my choice. They had to have effective slogans. Number three, they manip... Oh, look at this one, June. I know. What does it say, June? That's what I was going to ask you. Press and media. Manipulate the press and media. Uh, just leave it right there. Yeah. But, okay. Yeah. As far as the media goes, mm -hmm. the mainstream media, I've learned so much being in the White House. Yeah, I see them as, uh, of course, I'm a, you know, out of their box, but I see them as a propaganda machine. Absolutely. You know, because yeah. they they push the darkness, they push the vomit. Okay. So how are they for ab abortion and pro life? Are they more for abortion rights or what? No, they're definitely for abortion. Yeah, I mean, yeah. mainstream yeah, media, they're for abortion. And Dr. Nathanson, that's what they did with the third um, uh, point of this eight-point strategy. You know, Dr. Nathanson, he was an OBGYN. And so the majority of people, reporters, covering this issue back in 1969 yeah. were women, young women, and they had recently, you they know, they wanted women's rights. They wanted women's yes. rights. They graduated from a quote liberal, you know, secular university. Yeah. And they, they, they were so tired of opposing the Vietnam War. It, it felt good to be for something, and they were for getting abortion decriminalized. Okay. And then because they used the argument of the well, do you want the hanger up there? Right, and that's a lie. That's a lie. Yes, because the next thing, so point number four. Point number four. He would stand in front of all these reporters, mostly women, and he would spew these fabricated facts, i.e., lies. Now, what would he tell the reporters? So imagine this: you've been there with all these reporters. Dr. Nathanson standing there. He's a he's a doctor. Yeah, yeah. He and he's not you know super passionate or whatever. He's very methodical, calm, cool, collected, stick to the facts, man. Well, he would look at the reporters just like I'm looking at you, and he would say, we have an epidemic on our hands. There are uh, one million women a year having back alley abortions, and 5,000 to 10,000 women a year are dying due to illegal abortions. Well, was that true? No, it was a bald-faced lie. <gasps> bald-faced lie. No, the wow. real numbers were... On the uh, on the high side, there were maybe ninety nine thousand illegal abortions. He would tell the media one million. Then um, uh, he oh he would say five thousand to ten thousand women a year are dying. On the high side, it was like in the two hundred area, not five thousand. Yeah. But there were some years where it was as low as twenty. Okay, so just very audacious, very bold lies, and then. The fifth point was he would quote the false statistics. He would say 60% of Americans want abortion on demand legalized. The real number was one half of 1%. Wow. One, and he actually writes about that in one Very of his books. Nice. And then he would repeat the line. We all know that if you repeat the line uh -huh, long yeah. enough in the media, that's propaganda. Truth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then number seven, he would uh, try to justify it. He would say, look, 
the women who are going to have abortions, they're going to do it anyway. Just call it a day. Just mm -hmm. get it legalized. They're going to do it anyway. Why? Well, that's what they're saying about uh, making it legal to do um, uh, paid for sex. What's that called? Prostitution. Uh, Prostitute. That, right. That's the argument they're right. using for that. Right. So I'm seeing the same point. Right. That's right. Wow. So so you legalize something, it drives the demand for it up. Yeah. You know, that's basic 101, economics 101. Yeah. And then lastly, they, I don't have time to get into all the details yeah, of it, yeah. but they, they orchestrated, executed the Catholic strategy, which was a four-part strategic plan to, to deceive enough Catholics yeah. into voting for pro-abortion candidates. Well, Brian, I tell you, I want to sit and feed off of her so much more, but she has another appointment she has to get to. Uh, you have all of these materials about the Jose Initiative, and you're actually having an awesome gala yes coming up in yeah. december yes uh tell us about it all right real quick it's the life it's the first life is beautiful gala in washington dc at the, the mellon auditorium building uh, which is a beautiful building built back in 1932 uh, right on constitution avenue mike lindell the CEO, founder of My Pillow, is emceeing. Who the gave a million dollars to the? He sure did. To movie, the unplanned movie. Unplanned movie. Yep. And Mallory Millett is our keynote speaker, and uh, her sister was the woman who became a communist Marxist, Marxist communist, who started the National Organization of Women. That's Mallory no Millett. No way. Mm -hmm. So she Ma got saved. No, Mallory Millett is a Christian. She's oh. safe. But her sister died two years ago as a God-hating Marxist communist. Oh. And sadly, she died, I think it was September 2017. I know, I to be her today. I know. Oh. So, um, so Mallory Millett's our keynote speaker. And then we have a very special guest, and I'm kind of keeping that under wraps. But yeah. the person who is um, our recipient for the first... Dr. Bernard Nathanson, Courageous Witness for Life Award, um, he has been very effectively raising up his voice like a trumpet, just like it says in the book of yeah. Isaiah 58.1, raise up your voice like a trumpet. And this particular person will be the recipient of the first Dr. Bernard Nathanson Award. And and I just think God is doing a mighty, well, mighty Well, I think it's here. really amazing that you're naming this award after him because... He's obviously made a big impact in your life. I mm -hmm. mean, for you to concentrate on, you know, partnering with how the devil tried to use him to kill all the life, but in right. the end, God turned it around. And now right. you've, really what you've done, kind of, is you have picked up his mantle. And you're like, That's actually the word I used for years, is he passed his oh. pro-life mantle to me. And with that, you know, with a handshake and a promise, and the, the, this award, and this is why many of you listening, you please go to the website and click on the gala link. Some, come on, ladies, we need to go to a gala. Oh my goodness, please. It's a beautiful, it's going to be beautiful. It gives you an opportunity to dress up. Dress up, be all fancy. Yes. And, uh, and get, get your tickets. We are selling tickets because I'm speaking all across the country. And uh, in fact, just this morning, I spoke up in New Hampshire. I think like five, six days ago. I'm, I've spoken and oh check this out in the past Lord like three weeks. Rest. Long Island, New Hampshire, Wisconsin, and it was a fourth place. Um, 
I forget where the fourth place was. Yeah. Long Island, New Hampshire. Oh, Boston, right outside of Boston. And we have groups coming to DC for the gala uh, from all those different locations. We have them coming from California. I think we have like 20 to 40 people coming up from Florida to come to the first Life is Beautiful Gala. And the other thing that I forgot to say is uh, the, the, God gave me this idea. It was in July of 2016. Mm -hmm. And, and the idea, because 2016 was basically the 100th year of Margaret Sanger's Dirty Deeds. Wow. So I look at it as she's had her century of destruction, yeah, and it's over. We have to go and appropriate the victory, and the way we're going to appropriate it, it's kind of you were touching on, it's Romans 8.28. You know, so what Satan meant for evil, Dr. Bernard Nathanson, yes. oh, God's going to use his legacy yeah. for good. Yes. And, um, and Planned Parenthood every year uh, presents their Margaret Sanger Award. And this juxtaposes against Planned Parenthood's Margaret Sanger Award. Uh, in addition, uh, NARAL Pro-Choice America, in fact, Hillary Clinton just won NARAL Pro-Choice America Award like two weeks ago. I, I was so busy with all my pro I didn't even know it was happening. I happened to go onto Facebook. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's actually and going she on. probably so, so proud of that. So Christian America, Judeo-Christian America, yes. Patriot Americans, Whoever you are, if you value life, if you yes. value liberty, you want to be at this gala. This thing yes. will be um, uh, videotaped, aired, but you want to be there in person. It only holds 550 seats, and um, June's going to be one of them. <laughs> so you want to be there. Get your tickets, and it'll be a night to remember. Well, I just want to tell you something. What's that? <laughs> As a woman, okay, I know there's many women watching right now. Uh, as a woman, I'm so, so very proud of you. Oh. <laughs> yes, I mean this from the bottom of my heart because I think about you've got a woman coming that uh, is an eyewitness to the NOW movement. Yeah. I mean, women, we really have come a long way, but we're not still not there yet because mm -hmm. what they don't tell you when you get an abortion is the trauma. You're yeah. destroying women. Right. I mean, if these right. people really cared about women's rights, right. they would say, women, you do not want to go down that road and destroy right. that life because for yeah. you might get relief now, but you will be tortured by demons the rest of your life. Yes. Yeah. That's right. So to me, you're a champion because you're fighting for those women education. Like you said, uh, what is that? You perish, you perish due lack of knowledge. Right, right, right. These women don't understand because they're believing the lie of the devil. Right. Like you were saying right. with this, right. exposing all this, right. which is what I'm trying to do with the media is to expose. I'm trying to educate people what's happening. Right. Education is so key. So I'm very thankful. I want the bride to come together, and I want us to pray for our sister because I, I. Uh, we didn't wasn't able to get into a lot because, like you said, we could unfold this forever in a day. But I can imagine the struggle that you've went through over the years, the mm -hmm. mountains that you've had to climb just mm -hmm. to even get here mm -hmm. uh, with the persecution and everything. So I want us to come together mm -hmm. in unity like we do with all of our guests. And I want us to pray that the mission that God has called you to would be so successful and that he would give you everything you need. Let's mm -hmm. pray. Sure. Lord, we just come together in agreement for our sister today. And Lord, we thank you for her spending time and her busy schedule. 
to sit down and reflect and to help other ministers to see the struggle of coming along these past 10 years and where she's at now and how now she can see the light at the end of the tunnel and she's pressing forward harder than ever before. And Lord, we was able to see her story, which is so much for your glory. So Lord, today we celebrate with heaven, Lord, what you have done in her life and the strides that she has made, Lord, for all of these children, Lord, and trying to fight for life. And really it's fighting for the health of our nation, fighting for the soul of our nation. And we thank you for our warrior bride sister today. And Lord, we ask, that you give her everything she needs to accomplish this vision, uh, giving her favor, Lord, favor with other ministers, favor with the government when she needs bills passed and she needs uh, these things done or to have her opinion in these different pieces, uh, that you would grant all that unto her, Lord, and give her the building she needs, technology, people that know technology, intercessors um, all of the deal with this gala bless this gala Lord and Lord we just thank you for her story Lord and for her being a beautiful example to other women uh, to fight for life and that it is worth it in the mighty name Amen. of Jesus Amen, Amen. Jesus Christ <laughs> I yes. am so honored to be here thank with you, you today and I'm y'all don't know this but we have a mutual friend who has tried to get us together how long <laughs> long time our her, spunky little friend. yes our spunky oh. friend i actually talk about her in the book i describe her as my Aww. spunky friend oh yeah that's oh. awesome she's definitely a spunky friend who has stayed here before in this house but uh, would you like to tell them like the name of your website or oh, oh, yes. i wanted to ask you this yeah. too one last question if I know many women that may want to help, mm -hmm. uh, that may want to get involved, like in their town, to bring some of the education their, or their church, yes. how can they do this? A um, couple different ways, a couple different things you can do. Um, so first off, go onto our website and okay. just check out our website. It's an amazing website, rich in content. Uh, so it's Hosea, like the book in the Bible, the number four, and then you.org. Hosea4u.org. Okay. We have Hoseainitiative.org as well, but nobody knows how to spell the word initiative, so we did Hosea4u.org. Yeah, smart. So, yeah. That's first thing. Go onto the website. Um, second, uh, we do have uh, second right here. I know this is probably backwards, uh, but if these, it's a little. We can mail these to you. Um, email us for information. We have a um, request a speaker page on there with the various topics and the different conferences, workshops, and parish missions. So that's on there. Um, Do you we, have people that you actually like train so that they can do yeah, their what, city or whatever? Right. What we're doing now is beginning to look for um, messengers of truth. Okay, that's what we call that's them, messengers one, of yeah. truth. And we're getting them trained, and many times they just in the beginning they just get trained in this eight-point booklet. Yeah. To, I mean, you're you're one of our messengers of truth. If you get the fact check booklets and you distribute them, you're a messenger of truth. You're a Jose Initiative messenger of truth. Okay. Uh, the goal is to get other people more highly trained so that if they have the gift of public speaking, 
they can also come on board and and and, and it does not have to be restricted to the Catholic Church, correct? Oh no, 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 no. I mean, I we're with, oh no, no. I mean, we have Catholics involved. We have Protestants involved. Okay, yeah. I mean, everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm all at pastors. If you know of a pastor conference, I should be speaking at pastor conferences all across this country mm -hmm. um, to, to make sure the pastors get a crash course, and that's what we do, and then we, get, we can get the right resources to the pastors who want to learn more. Because here's the key. According to George Barna with Barna Group, yeah. only 2.8% of pastors preach about the tough issues from the pulpit. I was going to ask, how do you get the pastors to even allow you to talk about it. I don't know why they're so hesitant. Well, I can tell you why. Okay, I'm in the top four or five reasons. Okay, the first thing is um, they've, they've been scared into this position. Okay, no, number one. Because is it because of 501c3? Well, well, that's part of the reason. They, they, well, it's, they, they may think that the abortion issue is political, and it's like, ooh, we're, you know, we're, we're not supposed to talk about politics. Well, that's not true. You're just not supposed to tell your people who to vote for, yeah, okay? Exactly. I mean, you can certainly talk about abortion and, and all these other issues, yeah. okay? So, so they either naively or ignorantly think that um, it's a political issue. No, it's not. It's a moral issue. It's a moral issue. Number two, they think, oh my goodness, it's going to divide my church and ah, I've got a $400,000 mortgage. So because of their fear of man, their fear of losing funds, then... They don't preach about the tough issues, and the beat goes on, and the Christian market becomes apathetic because, hey, not even my minister is willing to talk about it, so why should I care about it if my pastor doesn't even talk about it? Now, I'm going to say on behalf of the ministers, y'all sure. know I live by faith. Yeah. I do see how that happens. I have one of my biggest donors just get mad at me because I spoke the truth about something, and that was the thought that came to my mind. Yeah. That, that, what am I going to do now? You right. know, like, that was a big help. And then I just said, Lord. Right. Well, they're not my source. You are my source. That's but it. But I do see how Absolutely. Get, how that, when well, you're living by that. Well, I yes, want to give an encouraging I'll, story on that, though. Okay. Uh, let me finish giving the reason. So they yeah, think it's divisive. They think it's political. They, they, um, here's another big one. They may actually have abortion in their own past. They may have advised women or children that have right. So they may have encouraged their child, yeah. you know, because God forbid a pastor's daughter get pregnant. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, that would be condemnation. Uh, or um, they may have encouraged their wife to have an abortion years ago, uh, or it could have been. Or the other big one is they've advised women in the congregation to have an abortion. So how is that pastor going to pivot and now tell his congregation to fight for life? Is I just so I think I've named four or five. I want to give an encouraging <laughs> story. Okay, um, this I was asked uh, this years ago to speak to, at the state conference for the Nazarene Church. This is in Virginia. Mm -hmm. The Nazarene Church. That's what I, I was part of the Nazarene Church, and they said, "Terry, we're going to give you five minutes, five minutes to talk about the life issue." And I did, and I gave a little bit about Bernard Nathanson. I How paralleled it with slavery. Well, yeah, I, I paralleled it to slavery, and that because you can make the argument these two, the, the, all the arguments for slavery, it's basically nearly the same thing for abortion. Wow. Uh, so then, after.
after I was done, a black minister, about 40 years old, came up to me and he said, thank you. And I said, for what? And he said, thank you for preaching the truth. And he said, God convicted my heart about a year and a half ago that I had been preaching to please man and not God. Wow. Woo. And I'm like, tell me more. And he said, and he, he's up in Northern Virginia. Yeah. He was up in Northern, that's a very populated area. Yeah. And he's not like a little country church. He's up in Northern Virginia yeah. where it's very, you know, liberal. Yeah. And, um, and he said, he started preaching on the tough issues, not just abortion, but homosexuality, pornography, gambling, and all this. Yeah. And he said he, he irritated people. And he said every sermon, at least somebody would get up and walk out. Wow. At least one. But this didn't wow. go on forever. It didn't go on forever. Yeah. And he would get nasty notes or letters in the mail. But that didn't go on forever. And some, if I remember correctly, somewhere around the fifth or the sixth week mark, mark the people stopped leaving. And the people started coming. And his church began to grow and grow and grow. So, church wow. community, the bride of Christ, uh, the uh, the fear of man is a snare. Yes. And so, pastors, I implore you to ask your pastor, if you're not a pastor yourself, ask your pastor to invite Jose Initiative, that'll be me right now, to your church, to your community. Pull the Christian market together, and we will put on a day or a day and a half conference and get the Christian community. I've said this for years, that mm -hmm. if I could train pastors, you know, ideally, like go into a state where yeah. it's a big statewide pastor yeah, conference yeah. or a regional thing, and in one fell swoop train 200, 300, 1,000 pastors at a time, and that would take a day and a half. Yeah. It, would, it would take every bit of a day and a half, maybe even, you know, full two days, you know, two and a half days, a weekend, Friday until Sunday. But we could get the pastors educated. I know they're not educated on this for the most part because it's not part of their seminary. Yeah. You have to go digging for this history. And then you have to dig to understand what's at risk. If we as Christians do not rectify the life issue, you pastors will lose your religious liberty, you parents will lose your parental rights, and the babies will continue to lose their lives. And, mind you, this is one of the seven topics we talk on, breast cancer will continue to be on the rise because wow. there is a direct connection between breast cancer and abortion wow you can it it, it runs um what do you call that um parallel parallel yeah yeah just, well it's funny you say though because i just told somebody yesterday what i've discovered through ministry over the years usually if a woman has breast cancer issues or ovary issues it's usually due to unforgiveness towards the mother Ooh, oh, wow. Because wow. of the motherly parts. Oh. It could be that way with abortion. Mm -hmm. She released a motherly part and she hasn't forgiven herself. Mm -hmm. That could be part of it. There's also a basic biology lesson behind it. Oh, okay. Uh, but well, well, I was going to say, that's probably part of like a whole other discussion. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, it's probably too much to get into right now. Yeah, but yeah. but if somebody, like if you're super interested in getting the information, <laughs> we can actually, yeah. e you email us at info, like information, info at hoseaforyou.org, and we will email you a downloadable um, little pamphlet uh, that comes from a very reliable source. 
and explaining the science behind abortion and breast cancer. So I encourage you to wow, also sign up for awesome. our newsletter. So we have a beautiful This has been so informative today. <laughs> sign up for our newsletter. When you go onto Jose Nisso for the first time, um, a newsletter thing will pop up. I think we have one of the most beautiful newsletters and also like us on Facebook and if you do Twitter and all that. Mm -hmm. I think if there was a competition for newsletters and social media memes, yeah. We have some of the most beautiful social media memes. Oh, that's awesome. We got a great social media lady doing that. And then our newsletter, which up to this point comes out once every two months. We're yeah. trying to get it up to be once a month. Yeah. It's beautiful, it's informative and you should be getting it so you can oh, keep tabs. Awesome. I would like for you to do one last thing before we get off here. What's up? Would you mind praying sure. for any woman mm -hmm. that has committed an abortion? Absolutely. If yeah. you just pray, if all of y'all know someone that has, let's all come together yeah. and pray. Go ahead. All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for this time. Yes, Lord. Thank you. We Jesus. thank you, God, for truth and for avenues to get the truth out. Yes. And we pray, Lord, for any woman who heard this now or will hear it in a recording, uh, Lord, that if she has abortion in her past, that she knows, Lord Jesus, that she can turn to you yes. and, and, and tr honestly ask for uh, forgiveness and healing and redemption, and she can know 100% rock solid that you will forgive her, Lord, that, yes, that Lord. you do not condemn her, uh, that you will bless her with yes. the rest of her life with forgiveness. And Lord, we pray that for all the women and the men uh, who have, have abortion in their past, that they receive the healing that's needed, the forgiveness and the healing. And then, Lord Jesus, we pray that they will get educated with all of this information and you mobilize them, Jesus Christ, into your pro-life army yes Lord. and we literally crush the we, we crush satan we crush this abortion industry and we say no more and we throw it out like an old rag just like your word promises in isaiah 30 21 and 22 and so god we pray for all the people who've been affected by abortion which really lord that's everybody everybody's been affected but we most particularly want every woman and any man who knows about this, who has abortion directly in their past, to know that there is a way for forgiveness and healing, and that is through you, Jesus Christ. In your precious name, Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 I had something I was going to ask. What was it? Um, help me, Holy Spirit. I was just thinking about it. I can't remember. Anyways, all right, Brian. Well, God bless you. Thank you for being with us today. And listen, we're so blessed that you've been here. And don't forget, you can get her book called What If We Have Been Wrong? Uh, Abortion Kingdom. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. How did you come up with Hosea? Why Hosea? Because of Hosea 4-6, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Yeah.
Wow, yeah. that is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and Considering I, your whole vision. That's right. amazing. And I've been advised by like marketing companies, oh, you're going to have to change your name. And, you no, know, I love like, it. I've had more reporters ask me, Josea, what does that mean? They think it's <laughs> Spanish for Jose. And I know that's J-O-S-E. This that is, is Josea. <laughs> that is funny. Well, thank you so much for being you're with welcome. us today. Brad, thank you so much for being with us. God bless you. Thank you.